Hi there everyone, you're welcome to today's episode of Ugo's Take and my name remains Ugo Amadi and this is the 21st episode of the show and right here in UK, especially if you're in the Leeds area, it's a little bit chilly, really cold, it's about um, 9 degrees I think, um, so I hope wherever you are, if you're in the UK, you're trying to keep warm and if you're in other parts of the world, if it's getting cold, I hope you're trying to keep warm and you're well safe and trying to sanitize maintain social distancing because of the realities that we face we are facing at this point in time today's um, episode promises to be um an exciting interesting lots of topics to discuss lots of issues to talk about in today's episode um quick before i go into today's episode i would be giving a quick shout out to i would like to give a quick shout out to Sicily's, um, who are um, a restaurant here in Leeds, UK, and um, they've been massive supporters of this podcast. So a big shout out to them. You can check them out if you are in Leeds, if you're in the UK, if you, if you come down to Leeds, you should um, give them a try and check them out. Um, so like I said, there are lots of things to actually talk about today. Uh, we'll be doing the sports review and update that's one and also we'll be um, looking at things to watch on Netflix if you have Netflix the streaming platform what movies are there for you to watch it could be old movies or new movies you know but just stuff on Netflix that you may have to watch at this point in time you know maybe you're back from work you're feeling tired you you know you just want to relax keep your, uh, your feet up and um, watch something or something interesting so there are a couple of movies that I've discovered on netflix some of i've not really seen all of them but i've seen some of them and i would be recommending those movies to you as we go on but as usual as it's been the past two episodes i think we'll be talking on the sports review and update before moving into discuss about any other um happening now first topic first first topic we'll be looking at is the handball conundrum you know we've been having there has been this massive uproar about the handball rules are the officials interpreting it rightly you know so (laughs) do we need another change so i'll be giving my opinion on that i'll be giving my own take on the handball rule and also jamie vadi <laughs> keeps doing what he's doing i'll be giving my own opinion on that as well and i'll be giving my own opinion as usual on issues concerning chelsea so keep listening and enjoy hi there once again you're welcome to the 21st episode of Ugo's Take on this 28th day of September 2020 and this is the sports update and review segment where I talk about things that have happened in the sporting world and various topics making the round so we'll dive straight into yes you guessed it right the handball conundrum you know there's this opera about the handball rules are the officials interpreting it rightly are they doing justice to the game you know, once again, it, it was highlighted and brought to the spotlight 
in the game versus Newcastle United, in the game uh, Newcastle United versus Tottenham Hotspurs, and Tottenham took the lead via their Brazilian forward Lucas Moura, and then towards the end of the second half, to end of the game really, a penalty was awarded for a handball on Eric Dyer. And the um, penalty was <laughs> beautifully converted by Callum Wilson, um, the Newcastle forward that's just, that was signed from um, relegated side. Bournemouth, though, Mourinho was upset with it as well. The penalty, um, Christopher is considered versus my United, was also come to the forefront. You know, pundits like Gary Neville, Jamie Carragher have been. You know, really venting their frustrations at this, the interpretation of the handball ruling. Even players, people like Shaka Hislop on the ESPN FC have also uh, voiced their own um, disagreements with the way um, these um, the handball rules ha- rule has been interpreted so far. You know, I think for me, I feel as long as football exists, the whole handball rule. Would always be contentious. Would be contentious. Would always bring arguments. Or would, you know, because especially when it results in a penalty, if it happens anywhere else on the pitch, in the midfield, in the uh, final third, the opponent's half, no one is really that bothered about it. But when it results in a penalty, then. People really like to scrutinize. There's this air of injustice so from teams when they consider penalty, even in situations where um, a defender actually hacks down an opponent. There's this air of injustice if the team that plays, if the team that was awarded the penalty is, say, a Man City or a Chelsea, you know, or a Liverpool. The argument would be, oh, you uh, you keep favoring the big sides, you favoring the big teams, and things like that. But for me, I have a different view completely with respect to the handball ruling, especially with the way it's been interpreted at the moment. For me, I feel it's fair. I feel it's good. It's okay. Because there's nothing worse than you've you've there's nothing worse than one rule for one person or for one team and that rule not applying. To the next team, the next player. Now, because we've seen instances where ball would come off the arm of a player, and then you hear someone at the gantry in the commentary box would say, I've seen those given, and the penalties, and the penalty in that circumstance isn't given. And you go and you see another game similar set of circumstances and the penalty is awarded okay let's take three seasons ago two three seasons ago PSG my United what was it five minutes to go I think it was actually five minutes they're about to go late in the uh, dying embers of the game a shot that was probably going wide was taken by a my United player and then Kipembe, that is the 
um, central defender um, for PSG. Young central defender for PSG at the time. He jumped to block the ball, to obviously block the shot. But what happened? I think he turned and the ball smacked him on his arm. And a penalty was awarded. The uh, PSG players were really uh, furious with the decision. And the penalty was taken. It was converted. And that saw PSG, I think on away goals, drop out of the of the um, Champions League. So, saying that, I feel the present interpretation of the handball rule is fair. For me, I even want it to be even more so. Once your hand is outside your body and the ball smacks your hand, penalty. Let's let this one rule apply for everyone else. You know, because some some analysts and some pundits have been saying you can't move your body. You have to. You can't keep your hands tied up to your sides. But it has to be fair for everyone else. It has to be fair for everybody. You don't want to have one rule applying for one set of players applying for one team and not applying for everyone else. So everyone knows the ball hits your hand once it's outside um, the silhouette of your body. It's a penalty. So it applies to everyone. It applies to everybody. You know, so for me, I feel it's fair. It's fair. Because sometimes we've had this type of penalties given and they say, oh, yes, the ball came off his hands. So for me, once the ball is outside the silhouette of your body and the ball comes off your arm, it's a penalty. And for me, I also feel this will prevent defenders or stop defenders from standing ways away away from the player they're meant to be marking. Because most times you see it, players would would stand, or defenders rather, would stand one feet away from an attacking player they're meant to be marking. So if you close the distance, it's very difficult for it would be very difficult for the attacking player to just whack the ball in and smack it against your your hand so once again for me i feel the present interpretation of the handball rule is fair as long as it applies to everyone not um maybe when you're watching a my united versus uh let's say in newcastle and the ball smacks harry maguire on the arm and then you say it's not a penalty long as it's applied uniformly across the board it smacks the, ha- the arm of a defender in the um, 18 yard box it's a penalty and then the penalty is taken so it's fair so let it be as long as it's fairly and evenly you know interpreted and applied across board I'm all good I'm all good with that so that's what I think about this whole penalty um, issue, you know, people are having there's so much uproar, uproar about it. But for me, I feel as long as it's uniformly applied, then it's fine. Because though some people have said um, the discretion of the referees, the referees use their own discretion. It is that discretion that has put 
football where it is because you see some referees the ball actually comes off the arm of the player similar set of circumstances and this is not a penalty and something similar happens and another referee says it's not a penalty and that's what breeds that sense of injustice in in players so with respect to the handball rule that's it i don't want to overflog the issue so that's it for i'm uh, talking about the whole issue about handball now we'll move on to the next topic which is jimmy vardy jimmy vardy just doesn't seem to get old it doesn't seem to slow down it doesn't seem to be slowing down and doesn't seem to be slowing down anytime soon he stayed three years old at his moment you know at this point some players are actually slowing down they can run as much but he still has the pace he still causes problems for defenders and man city you know would really hope to to hear he retires pretty soon because once again he sparkled for lesser city as they wiped trashed man city five goals to two or two goals to five because i think they were away you know the trash man city five goals to two so i just want to say he's been in excellent excellent form for his age that's wonderful for him maybe that's because he didn't really start his professional career as early as players usually do especially in um europe because usually players start at 15 16 you know 18 maybe and by 20 they're already playing top flight football but he started playing top flight football i think 26 27 so maybe he hasn't taken as much knocks and as much hits as some other people so now what does this mean for guardiola on the other side of the coin what does this mean for pep guardiola well for me he just has to take it on the chin and go again the next game because he already still has a wonderful side a strong side Mares, you know a player with a lot of skills sterling carl walker so they already has a plethora of attacking talent kevin de Bruyne on his team so she go again but what he wants to avoid what man city wants to avoid is not to lose as many games as they lost last season because that's what really gave liverpool the league last season that's what gave them the league last season because masses kept losing kept losing games kept losing games kept dropping points and liverpool just rode the wave and started smashing every team in their wake you know and liverpool though um they've not begun the season in terms of performances they've not begun the season very convincingly i think i would say but They've had winning starts in you know, the defeated Leeds. United have pushed them really hard. They defeated them four goals to three in the seven goal thriller. You know, and they also defeated Chelsea two goals to nil at home. You know, at Stamford Bridge rather away at Stamford Bridge defeated Chelsea at Chelsea's ground two goals to nil. Two goals by um, Sergio Mane. You know, and there's, they've got six points on the board. And they keep going, you know. So, one thing Man City doesn't want to do is to drop so many points. And speaking of dropping points and being strong at the back, they won the game. Uh, they they've not <laughs> win any game. They actually have signed a defender from Benfica. I think he's 
Diaz. So he'll be joining um, the Manchester club from Benfica and Otamendi will be going the opposing direction. We're going in the opposing direction. And maybe that would be where he'll sing his one song and call it a day in professional with professional football. Um, so what does it, what would this mean for Man City's defense? Um, I don't know so much about Brian Diaz, but I'm thinking Brian Brian Diaz would uh, form partnership with Emric Laporte, you know, in the defense, because though they just signed Ake. For a central defender, he's not really tall, and this is a Premier League where he's physical, he's powerful, and he's spacey. So, to have um, a central defender to be five six, five seven, or five eight, isn't what you want to have. What you want, you know, ideally as a manager in the Premier League, because the defenders, the the forward players, are tough, are tall. You know, the ones who aren't built um, very powerfully are very tricky. So if you're a short uh, central defender, I'm not saying you are not able to, to play in the role, but it's a lot more difficult. So premiership managers always want to have big, um, strong center for, uh, center backs. So let's see what it means. But I personally feel that Emmerick Laporte and Diaz would be the center back pairing going forward for um Guardiola's men but let's see what happens you never can tell what he wants to do maybe he'll push uh, MDS into the midfield or he could push Ake into the, to the midfield to be a holding midfielder but what they actually lack at this point is an actual striker because um Sergio Ramos is injured I think Gabriel Jesus is injured as well and those are the two senior strikers they have in the team, except he wants to dip into that uh, academy, which I don't think he would because that's not what um, Guardiola does. And that has not been the Man City way in the past seasons of their um, dominance, of their domin- joint dominance with Chelsea, joint dominance with Liverpool, and their outright dominance. So probably we're looking at getting a striker maybe Raul Jimenez would be a good choice from from Wolverhampton I know he's not like a superstar or super big name but he's an experienced premiership striker he's been scoring goals for Wolves so imagine um, being on the end of passes um, from the likes of Kevin De Bruyne that would just be a heaven on earth for him so for me that's why I think it means this loss to Leicester City means for uh, Man City so that's uh, my take on the must issue. Now we move on to Chelsea. Chelsea, Chelsea, Chelsea. Always, there's always something to talk about Chelsea. Either performances on the pitch, or just the grown to players of the pitch, or the inexperience of the manager. There's always something to talk about. Now, <laughs> my beloved Chelsea came up against a West Brom side that has been beaten by every side they faced this season so you would naturally be expecting a team like Chelsea that spent 200 million pounds at least should at the very least get a win at West Brom at least get a win whether it's a one-year win 
Tony win or even 10 nil, 3 nil, 3 2. But, anyways, just get a win. Just get a win. 2 1, 3 1. Just some sort of win. But that was not to be the case at all. That wasn't the case. You know, in the first half, Chelsea's performance was just really, really bad. Absolutely poor. Absolutely, absolutely poor performance um, by the London side. A very poor performance, and they got hammered 3 0 in the first half. You know, and it was that man again that scored against Chelsea at the beginning of last season while he was playing for Sheffield United. That's Carl Robinson. You know, he scored twice and it looked like he was going to get a hat trick. You know, and it wouldn't surprise me if he goes without scoring after the Chelsea game. You know, I know you say, who goes because he scored against your team. That's why you're saying he would go without scoring. But that's what happened last season. He scored against Chelsea and then that was it. That was the only goal he got till the end of the season. And then he had to drop uh, to a lower level, to a level lower the championship with West Brom, played with them, gained promotion with them. And now he's their leading strike, I think, at this point. So let's see if he gets another goal in their next game. You know, let's see if he's indeed able to, to actually score after this or he, he's just meant to be um, the war of Chelsea. So, but kudos to Chelsea, Frank Lampard and all the players. They came back um, in the second half and at least put some, some sort of performance and it was actually a comeback. That was not complete, but it was a comeback because it's not easy, no matter what team you're playing against, to actually equalize after you've been three goals down after 45 minutes. So, um, to start the comeback well, with um, Mason Mount, the score at on the 55th or 56th minutes of the first half of the second of the game, and that's 10 minutes into the second half. and he scored a beautiful goal from outside of the outside the box and tucked in the um, right hand corner of the West Brom goal. And the goalkeeper um, Justin could not <laughs> really move. Maybe he saw it late, but it was a beautiful finish in my opinion. And then the second goal was scored by Callum Hudson-Odoi, who has been on the bench for a lot this season, and people have been saying maybe he should go on loan. Or he should just outrightly move, you know. But he came on in the second half and did really well, you know. Completed 27 passes, made two key passes, and then got himself a goal. Got the goal, a nice one too with Kai Havertz, who I would say amongst the new recruits is is the one who has performed the best because he's got a hat trick, you know, against Barnsley um, in the six 0 win the Carabao Cup. And then he's got an assist as well and really and played really well even in the first half when Chelsea wasn't that great you know so he got the assist and then Chelsea got the last goal via um, Tammy Abraham so it's a good comeback but it shouldn't be in that sort of position at all so this takes me to my normal debate my normal debate which is K 
keeper, the whole keeper issue and goalkeeping issue. We had go, uh, Willy Caballero in the, between the sticks for uh, Chelsea, and then with Mendy signed, maybe she's trying to settle in. The point is, once the defense is broken down, there's nothing the, def- the goalkeeper can really do, and you don't expect the goalkeeper to make 1,000 saves to be bombarded with shots from all angles without any protection and then coming up tops it doesn't happen even we've seen with Allison this season against Leeds United you would expect okay Liverpool versus Leeds United that should be walking apart promoted side versus um, premiership uh, champions but once the defense was broken down Allison considered does that make him a bad goalkeeper? No, it doesn't. It just means his defense needs to do their job. His defense needs to do its job. The defenders need to do their job. So that's it. So um, from the way it looks, maybe um, Edward Mendy will be making his debut against Spurs in the Carabao Cup that will be played um, on the 29th, which is tomorrow. We'll play on the 29th so because we're record, recording today monday so what should we say was it a great comeback with respect to the chelsea just performance was it a great performance you know was it a great performance to come back or should have played better and shouldn't have been in a position whatsoever for me i would say should have played a lot better happy with the comeback you know but should have played better and shouldn't have been in that position at all but on the flip side if this was last season i think <laughs> probably would have been 4-0 or 5-1 there's no way just would have come back from this sort of result in the first half from the first half result last season would have just been 3-0 at, at best or 5-1 or some odd results you know so um, that's my take on the issue whether it was a great comeback or should have played better should have played better but still showed good spirit to actually um, pull something out of the fire but that's my take on it so next I'll be giving you my recommendations on things you should see on Netflix. Uh, you're welcome to the segment and it's things to watch on Netflix. First movie I would like to recommend for your viewing pleasure on Netflix is Enola Holmes. Enola Holmes it's a period piece set in, should I say, the Sherlock Holmes era because she's indeed um, the sister of Sherlock Holmes. And the movie is set at the time where she loses her mom or her, mom's go- her mother goes missing and she engages on an expedition to find out what happens to her mother and find her mother. So that's what it essentially is. It stars Henry Cavill, Sam Claffin, and the star of the show, of the movie, is Miley Bobby Brown. 
and so you should endeavor to watch this because it's right now on the top of um, Netflix UK watch list it's on top 10 on top of the list you should watch it um, you should make out time to watch it if you you watch Netflix or if period pieces are your thing and it's also directed by Harry Bradbury you know so you should watch it once again it stars Miley Boy Brown Henry Cavill Sam Claffin and it's directed by Harry Bradbury now there's a movie that was surprising <laughs> surprising to me I just found it on Netflix as well it's Peppermint you know Peppermint it's um, essentially it's a movie where it's, it, a lady is attacked and she loses everything and now she disappears for five years and returns as a vigilante type character and it's starring Jennifer Garner you know so she's shown for me she's shown that she has the chops to be an action hero or to do a to show martial martial arts skills or fighting skills to be in movies really where you have to fight show some some toughness show some um action ability ability to to actually be in an action movie because she's done it in alias you know in alias uh, uh, a tv series that ran for a long time and she was also in daredevil you remember the daredevil movie um, where she starred up against Ben Affleck who's Batman now or it's kind of Batman we don't know what's happening with DC at this point but um, she's shown that she has the acting chops to actually be a good action hero so I'm intrigued and I'll be having a look at uh, Peppermint uh, starring Jennifer Garner now the last movie that I'll be recommending for you to see, which um, I would also be looking to see, is Mile 22 featuring Mark Wahlberg and Aiko Waze. Aiko Waze um, was in Raid, Raid 1, Raid 2, and is in this movie as well. And in the movie, you have Aiko Waze, you know, there's some, there will be some good fighting, some good fight scenes, some good action scenes. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he does in this movie and Mark Wahlberg you know Mark Wahlberg he's always good in anything he appears in so let's see how um, it turns out and finally while we are on this whole entertainment movie scene before today's episode ends I would like to just give my opinion on Resident Evil and the is a CGI series CGI series what does it mean? Does it mean it's live action and then you have people doing motion capture or it's just animated and then the CGI? Or whatever it is, if you're the, a fan of the Resident Evil games or the earlier movies, then I think this is something you would like to see because it will be on Netflix as well. So look out for Resident Evil. See, it'll be coming out in I think the fall of 2021 that's next year um another close to 12 months that we have to wait to see what happens so movies to see enola holmes peppermint and mile 22 so thanks for listening and have a wonderful day bye bye